Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, February 2, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. The first thing we're going to do is take a look at the daily chart. What jumps off the page at us? Where do we sit? What's the main thing going on? Then we're going to drill down a little bit because I'm here to tell you there was a little shenanigans going on into the end of the day. It'll be interesting. We're going to pair it together with inside the numbers and also what happened into the end of the day, into the closing bell. Remember, it's obviously less important how they trade them all day long than it is how they close them at 4 p.m. at the end of the day. Let's start with the daily chart. Where are we? We're above all the moving averages. The trend is your friend. Therefore, she's been drawn back in. She tried to dump you, couldn't do it. She's sticking around. Here's one of those $64,000 questions. Does that change anything I've discussed? Does it change the fact that I believe the market's going to go through a corrective phase? Not necessarily what happened last week, but something materially more. And the answer is, nothing has changed. Remember, it's hard to kill a bull. The weekly charts in an uptrend, the monthly charts in an uptrend, they broke through a moving average or two for a day or so on the daily chart popped right back up. In the big scheme of things, we're going to have to call the weekly chart dominant. It of course is over the daily chart. The daily chart is dominant over the hourly chart. The hourly chart is dominant over a 15-minute chart and so on. So what's the read on the daily chart? What's really going on right now? Well, a couple of things. A, they're above all the moving averages. That's fine. If they fail and come back below the next day, for example, on Wednesday, that's a really interesting failure. But for now, they're above all the moving averages. We take it at face value and that's it. We're also above the breakdown candle high, 380.32, closed above it today, that's bullish. There's another pivot high over here, and the high comes in at 381.93. They got above it, but then they failed and ran back down to close below it by the end of the day. That's interesting, but it's not really meaningful on its face. Why is that? Because it's a pivot high that was far away from yesterday, so the fact that they couldn't close above it today isn't really anything material or meaningful. They just didn't do it. It's just a piece of information. What if they did do it? Would that have meaning? Yeah, the flip side is that would have had meaning. The meaning would have been the door would have been wide open to run up and fill the gap. For argument's sake, we're going to call it 384. Now, does that mean because they didn't close above it today that they're not going to go fill the gap? Absolutely not. It's more likely now that they will fill the gap than it's not likely they won't fill the gap. And I think that was a double negative with a twist. I'm not sure. It's more likely they're going to go fill the gap. Where would that turn into a wrong statement tomorrow on Wednesday opening below today's low? That for sure would be a red flag. This is an interesting one. This begins to tie in the end of the day shenanigans to what you'll see inside the numbers in a little while. But check this out. So here's an hourly chart. So we had a gap and go today. The market gapped up. It went higher into the end of the day. And then the last few minutes of the day, it comes down. A to where? How about 
This breakup candle low, 381.44, what's the low of this candle? 381.38, you couldn't see that it was off the screen. The low was 381.38, and the closing price was above the breakup candle low, 381.53. It's interesting nonetheless. Why is that? Well, a couple of reasons. A, for that in and of itself, just the fact that they went down to test a breakup candle low. Where have we seen that before? We see it all the time. It's uncanny. But the other thing that makes this interesting is what happened. So they ran up and then they finally just started eating time off the clock, putting in one of these all too famous bull flag patterns. A bull flag pattern should break in the upward direction. That would have filled the gap and all would have been well. But instead, it starts breaking down and the same energy that would have been released in the upward direction is now being released in the downward direction to do what? Run down and test the most recent breakup candle low. Funny how that works. The reality is you don't have to be a rocket scientist to sit in front of the screen, watch charts for a period of time, watch the price action, record what happens, mark up the charts with what you think are important areas. Why would they be an important area? Because the market stops at a specific area. A short-term chart, an intermediate-term chart, a long-term chart. When the market puts in important pivots, it's stopping at a place, either a pivot low or a pivot high. The sheer fact that it's stopping at that place is the market's way of feedback. It's telling you that that spot is important. You don't necessarily have to know why. You don't necessarily have to understand why at that moment in time. It's information that you're going to use along with other information. It's all part of putting the puzzle together. Case in point, you sit around for years and you watch these charts and you see them test the breakup candle lows over and over and over again. And they also do a lot of other things that I talk about all the time. That's the way you figure it out. You watch for an extended period of time, you make notes, you be observant, and you build yourself a bucket of big data. Let's check out Inside the Numbers. And tonight we're gonna be quick with Inside the Numbers primarily because it was a gap and go. It's not a trader's paradise in this type of market. When they gap up and they continue higher, you have two choices. You're either a spectator for most, you can hop on and hope you're right, that's chasing the market. You can take a trade at a specific price, meaning in this case, resistance, knowing where you're wrong, and there's not a lot of other options. You can buy a pullback, but when the market really doesn't have any specific or meaningful pullbacks to speak of, it's a very difficult tape for a trader. But there is something I want to point out specific inside the numbers in the commentary, then we'll circle back to stocks on the move. So what I urge you to do is pause the video and as I scroll up, you can read the notes and go back to the charts. There's definitely things you can learn. There are things in here, learnable stuff every single day. But they were gapping up, so it's no mystery, it's no secret what was going on. You'll see a very important spot. We already talked about it, 381.93. Obviously, that's on the board early on. 380.32, we talked about that one. That was the breakup candle high. This was the pivot high. We identify those in the spirit of coming to the game 
prepared. And game is a metaphor. This is not a game, but game is the metaphor. And by the way, that's sport non-specific for you folks that complain about which sports I like to build my analogies around. So from here, let's scroll up a little bit. What I urge you to do is pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts. There's your 384, that's the gap. Again, we're talking about this stuff even long before the market opens, you have to come prepared with the information. The other side was there as well. If they drop the market, we know what's going on in that case. You have to come with an open mind. You never know exactly what you're gonna get. We had a couple of stocks on the move hit their numbers. We'll go back to that later and look at the charts. What I wanna show you specifically comes in a little bit later in the day when we identify, hey, is this thing just gonna hang out and either go sideways, eat time off the clock, or run higher this afternoon, or run higher tomorrow? What's that spot that's important? What's the spot where if they're below it, it changes that tune? Now, if you're a trader, if you're trying to take advantage of something one way or the other, you need to know what that spot is. It prevents you from doing what? Having to guess. This is your tour guide for the markets each and every day. And here it is. They finally stopped going higher. The morning pivot turned into a lunchtime pivot. Either way, they're now first deciding to pull back a bit. The pullback was nothing big. It's just a pullback. And here's your first crack at that number. Staying above 381.50 on hourly closes leaves the door wide open to run up and fill the gap either later today or tomorrow. Now, because there wasn't a lot going on in the notes, let me just finish out the day. It was an early afternoon based on the fact that they were just eating time off the clock until into the end of the day. But at that point, you're not doing anything with that in the last few minutes of the day. Now we can check out the list of stocks on the move. So as you can see, we had three listed as a yes for hitting their entry targets, one listed as a jump target, but it did hit a secondary and tertiary entry target. So we'll end up taking a look at four charts. Before we look at the charts from Stocks on the Move, I just want to reiterate something because I don't want you to take the 381.50 lightly. It's an important number because staying above leaves the door open to run up and fill the gap. Getting below, closing candles and hourly below takes that off the table until they're back up in that zone. 381.50 is exactly where they made a beeline for into the end of the day. On this intraday chart, they close at 381.53. Interesting. Any accidents or coincidences? No, I don't think so. How about the daily chart? The closing print on the daily chart is 381.25. What are you supposed to do with that information if in fact you're a believer in 381.50? So yours truly, I'm a believer in 381.50, so what do I do with that information? Nothing, but I'm really interested to see how they open them tomorrow. Opening below, I think, is an important tell. Opening above is an important tell. In my book, 381.50 is important. Let's start out with HOG, one of the stocks on the move. Now, it looks like a shitburger. Looks can be deceiving, but here's what happened with this one. I moved the target shortly before the opening bell. It wasn't intentional. I actually moved it twice. Shame on me. First, the numbers were down around these numbers here. 
Then I moved them up because the stock bounced and in the pre-market it looked like it was getting some support and therefore the numbers kind of shifted. All of a sudden we get closer to the opening bell, they start dropping the price and the first set of numbers is back on the board. So here's what happened. They opened below the first, it's off the table. They opened above the second, it's on the table. They come into it short of the third, bounce up all the way back to what? A high of 3580 all within the first five minutes of the opening bell. There's your one minute chart and you can see what happened minute by minute. So it was a mini rocket ride right away. So traders that decided to take that price at 33.92 were rewarded. It's almost a $2 bounce in a flash. And then they came back in and ate time off the clock, but the trade was over. Why wasn't the third price still on the table? Let's go back to that five minute chart because it looks like why wasn't it still on the table? And the answer is because you came too close here, had the tremendous rally away, that's it. That price is off the table. The trade was over once it came back below the entry after that enormous spike. See you later. Whether you took half off the table and had to cover the second half, took the full thing off the table, were scared to take the trade, doesn't make any difference. This is what happened. How about Pan American Silver? So you can see this one kind of slid into the number, didn't come straight there, hung out at the number, bounced away from the number, officially did the deal. Was it the greatest trade on the board? No. Would I have blamed anybody for not taking this trade? Absolutely not. It just wasn't by design the way we like it to happen, but we don't get to choose which ones happen in the manner in which we prefer them to happen. Best Buy, you can see this one for yourself, getting a haircut at the opening bell, 26.10, 25.11, spread apart. If you did it, paint by numbers. Let's say you took the first, took the second, average was in the middle. They certainly gave you the base hit and then some. Theoretically, if you painted by numbers, it worked out just fine, but the numbers work. This gave you the trade at the first level. It gave you the trade at the second level. It gave you the trade if you did it at both levels. Think of it in these terms. Was the trade ever stopped out? And the answer is absolutely not. How about another example, MITK, of one that really didn't do the deal in the manner in which we prefer them to do the deal? I guess that was really the theme of the day. Again, if you just take away from this, a haircut at the open, two numbers at the opening bell, long before the opening bell, the first number, second number, equal case could be made for why the market would turn around at either number. They're both important, and I'll prove that in a second. So they do the deal technically, but not in the manner in which we like it. But the numbers work. You could see what's going on here. If you just took half at one, half at the other, you split the difference, did you get a profit out of it? Absolutely. Did you get a base hit out of it? Absolutely. Is it the best trade on the board? No. Look at this. The high over here into the end of the day, 1541. One penny below the first number on the board. Is that at least a hint that the first number was in fact important? Yeah, but today the second number was the important number. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Again, above all the moving averages, yada, 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 the trend is your friend until it shifts. It hasn't shifted. They threatened the 20 period moving average one day. That was it. We can't really make a federal case out of that. 
The IWM is strong. It's my favorite market leading indicator. And therefore we have to take heed in what it's doing. However, let's note something for a moment. The IWM was up 1.18% today. The SPY was up one and a half percent. Why is that? It's not enough to make a federal case out of it. It's enough to note it, but it doesn't even make the table as a small puzzle piece. What's the next real area of resistance before making new highs in the IWM? 215. Start closing hourly and daily above 215, maybe 215 and a half, and you're probably going to make new highs. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Are they telling us anything material? Well, it was a good day for the transports up over 2%, so we can't brush that off at all. They stalled out or found overhead resistance around the 50 period moving average. Nothing wrong with that. That's normal garden variety market behavior. They spiked a breakdown candle high right here. The high happens to be 12,540 and change. They spiked it today, closed below it again with a positive day up over 2%. The fact that they couldn't close over that doesn't really mean anything. It was a big up day. We leave it at that. We just take that at face value. Anything different to report with the queues? Absolutely not. Same routine. They were in a different position than the other markets. Remember, they never really took on the characteristics of the IWM or the transports. They remained rather strong, just threatening the 20 period moving average one time. Right back up, threatening the highs. Can they make a new high? Absolutely they can. A little bit of a side note. I get some questions in about, I mentioned cycles yesterday. So I always get questions whenever I mention cycles. People want to know, where do I learn about cycles? What are you talking about? How does it work? It's not something that I'm willing to discuss at length in these videos here. However, what I will tell you this, and it's kind of uncanny how this happens, similar to some of the other things on the charts that happen. So here's the thing. There are short-term cycles, intermediate-term cycles, long-term cycles. The short-term cycles tend to happen. Things happen on a cycle date within a day or so of the cycles, pretty common. Otherwise the cycle isn't valid and that happens too. It's like anything else. The 80-20 rule applies. Not every single cycle you identify will do something. You're either wrong or the cycle inverted or it just stopped working. All those things happen. But here's the thing that I want to note. So what happens is around these time periods and this we're coming into is a larger cycle. So it's not like on a pinpoint day, even though we have a period of time where the cycle emerges or we should see a shift. We should see the market making a low or the market making a high around the cycle. We talked about it around the third week in February. So we'll leave it at that. But here's what I'll say. And I'm not saying to look out for something in the third week in February all I'm saying is a lot of times in my experience, and this is over a long period of time, it's not every time, it just seems to happen a lot of the time where an event tends to coincide with the cycle. You kind of look at it and say, of course, if you believe in the cycle, you look at it and say, hmm, how does that work? And you chalk it up to, that's just the way it works have no idea what type of event I'm even talking about. I have no clue. I'm just saying 
after the fact, you play Monday morning quarterback, you look back and say, huh, it's interesting how that stuff coincided with a cycle that I identified long before that stuff started to happen. Those of you that have been around a while have seen this before. I'm just explaining it in a manner in which I don't typically explain it. How about the XLF? 30 bucks, $30.04 on close. You can see the bid and the ask, $29.99 by 30 bucks. You think 30 bucks is important? Yeah, it's important for like a half a bucket full of reasons. By the way, on the weekly chart, I don't remember whether we discussed this last night or not, so it'll be worth it again if we did. Here's a breakup candle low, 28.83. What's the low here? How about 28.82? Any accidents or coincidences? You know the answer. About Smash Mouth, up 1.37%. Not really what you would expect if these type of indices or these type of sectors, Smash Mouth, the semis, for example, leading the market. Were they really leading the market? Were they leading the tech sector today? No, not really. They were up, but not leading, like not leading the charge. Same thing goes for the IWM. And that's what I was alluding to. It was up, but it was not leading the charge. It was more of a dead cat bounce type of up. I'm not going to make a federal case out of it just yet. I'm just doing the data dump out of my mind. My mind is a dangerous place to be. What a perfect segue to, have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.